Hi, and welcome to La Vie Attachée. Change your thoughts, change your life. I'm Peggy McKnight, and Happy New Year to you. I am going to talk about customer service today in today's podcast. Hello, my friend. Happy New Year to you. It is a bright and shining January 2021. We made it. Hindsight now is 2020. It's in our rear view mirror and we're looking forward to new, brighter things and a future for each of us. I know this for a fact because I believe in you. So today's topic I want to talk about is customer service. This is something that I feel very passionate about when it comes to either delivering customer service uh, in a business or being on the receiving end of customer service. And I feel like I'm a self-appointed advocate when it comes to customer service because I feel very strongly that people should have a good experience. I'm not expecting an exceptional experience, but at least a good seamless experience, especially in the online world uh, and space because 2020 has certainly taught us a lot of businesses have had to pivot and either change and adapt to selling their products online, whether it be virtual products or actual physical products. We've seen the explosion of Amazon and how well it's taken off that other businesses will start to follow. It is inevitable. Um, which is a good thing. So I feel like I'm a self-appointed advocate when it comes to customer service because I want to protect the average everyday consumer when it comes to spending their hard-earned cash or plastic, whichever method you use to pay for something. Um, Yeah, and it could also be a Bitcoin. Who knows? Um, But we'll get into that later on down the road. Um, Bitcoin is a whole other universe really. But let's just focus on customer service today. And really, I wanted to highlight to you that customer service really is the gas that fuels your business. And without it, you're really going nowhere. So if you do not have those customers, you will not have those sales and you will not shift your products. It's as simple as that. You don't need to be a genius at accounting or finance or anything like that. It's just a simple fact of how businesses are structured. So what I wanted to start off with is a really shining example of exceptional customer service. And this particular company is called Nordstrom, who originated in the Pacific Northwest in the United States. And they exemplify what good, no, not good, what great and exceptional customer service is all about. 
they are known for going that extra mile for customers. So say for example, you came into Nordstrom's one day and asked for a particular product. Well, if they didn't have it at that particular store, they would call around to all of their other department stores that they have in the area um, or however many number of stores they have now. And they would literally bend over backwards to find that product and deliver it to you. I have even known them to actually physically deliver a product to a customer, which is amazing because nobody asked for them to do that. They just decided that's what we're going to do to deliver exceptional service for our customers. And probably about two years ago, I had bought some shoes from Nordstrom and I didn't really like the fit. They were a bit tight. I had bought these shoes online. So when I was in the mall one day, I popped in and said, you know, well, these aren't really fitting very well. What can you do? And lo and behold, they took them in the back um, of the actual shoe area and somehow or other with some sort of a device that they have, they kind of stretched them a little bit. And then they started to feel much better and I went away a happy customer. So again, they are going above and beyond. A lot of businesses will go, well, what you see is what you get. No, we can't help you. It's just too much effort for them. Whereas with Nordstrom staff, yeah, it might be too much effort, but you don't let people, i.e. your customers, know that it's yet another inconvenience for you, no matter how busy you are. Nothing is too much of a problem for a Nordstrom's member of staff. And that's what I really love about that customer service. So what I would like to see is that resonating with the online world space. And I have seen a few companies that are pretty good. Um, I like what they um, offer and other ones, it's like, oh no, they have a lot to learn and they have got a lot, a long way to go when it comes to delivering exceptional customer service. Now, due to respect and privacy of these companies, I'm not going to name them, but I will just give you some stories around it of some observations that I have discovered um, as well along the way. And I just think, oh no, what are you doing? So the first one is with regards to purchases and refunds of, let's talk about digital products specifically on the World Wide Web. What really will exceed customers' expectations is if you offer a no quibble guarantee of a refund if the customer is not happy. And I think bottom line, when you're selling a digital product, if a customer is not happy, then it's far easier to just say, yes, you can have that refund as opposed to arguing with them. I've been on the receiving end of a company that I purchased a product from, um, again, a digital product, and it really didn't do what they had said in the sales page. So I went back to them and said, I'd like a refund, please. And I was well within my refund time period and all I got was arguing from them like I was just really stunned by the 
the reluctance on their part to just immediately refund my money. I mean, it was like getting blood out of a stone from this company. Could not believe it. I even so much so got a real sob story from them at the end of the day saying, you know, oh, this is my livelihood and, you know, I'm not going to survive. And it's like, really? I'm buying A, a low ticket offer. So B, I don't think I'm going to make that much of an impact about putting money on your family's table. And C, just give me my money. You know, it didn't work for me. Let's call it good and walk away. No harm, no foul. But no, they decided to drag it out. So again, you're really repelling a customer. So what do customers do from bad experiences? They tell anyone and everyone about avoid that company like the plague. So I think you need to be careful when you're setting up your own online business and certainly offer a no quibble refund. If customers are not happy, there is no reason why you should not allow them to not have that refund. And that goes hand in hand with guarantees. Guarantees I have seen from a few companies, not a lot, because there are an awful lot of people playing the online digital game of selling digital products, but they really don't want to take the risk because at the end of the day, it is a huge risk on a company's part to offer a guarantee to say, we guarantee you will either find customers or make X amount of dollars by the end of this program. That is a huge ask if the criteria to sign up for this course is not very strict. If they're, if they're letting anyone and everyone into these digital courses and not really vetting them, well, then you're going to get a number of people asking for their money back because they either don't understand how the digital businesses are set up and working or it's their very first time at dipping their toe in the water of the entrepreneurial world as well as online. And if they don't have an awful lot of that knowledge and experience under their belt, they're not going to ex excel and succeed on your program without some other measures in place like one-on-one -on -one coaching available or making sure that there is a classmate that they can work with together should they have questions and get stuck. So you do have to open up that availability for people that are very brand new to the entrepreneurial world and really need an awful lot of handholding. However, at the end of the day, if your guarantee is that you will guarantee that they make X amount of money at the end of it, then there is absolutely no reason why you shouldn't be investing in those one-on-one -on -one coaches or group coaches in order to carry them along the way. But also be mindful when you're dedicating these group coaches to a particular group of people, make sure that that group of people are all in the same boat together. Because if you have a brand new person to online digital world versus somebody who's been in the game for at least two to five years, that person that's been 
you know, in the um, World Wide Web selling their digital products is possibly going to get a bit cheesed off when it comes to holding the hand of a newbie that they didn't think that that's what they were signing up to do. So you do really have to have a very careful balancing act there. Either ask for everyone's per permission or just go ahead and separate them all so you have the brand new people um, who don't have a business, don't have any clients, don't have an email list together versus how many people have you got on your list and how long have you been in business, do you have a website, so on and so forth. There should be a number of criteria so you can start to segregate them into the relevant groups where everyone can enjoy, have fun, and thrive off of learning together rather than struggling and then just being left behind, for example, if a new person was in amongst a group of seasoned professionals who just needed that little extra push. Um, so that's what I wanted to say about guarantees. I think guarantees are absolutely fantastic and I would love to see more digital products offer guarantees. There is absolutely no reason if you've got a digital product that you have seen personal success with, especially if you've created it, there is absolutely no reason why you cannot confidently say to your new group of people when you're trying to sell them your course that you will guarantee you know, you will personally guarantee that they will make X amount of money or bring in X amount of clients by the end of the program. If you can't offer that, then, well, maybe you ought to just change your whole marketing piece and just chop it up into little chunks so they can dip in and out and buy the personal product that is relevant for that topic at that moment in time. Um, and equally, it also signals that well, yeah, I've got my digital product, but I'm not really sure that it's going to work for everybody. I've heard that I don't know how many times that we can't possibly guarantee how much money you'll make. Now that I get, but well, why don't you just stick your neck out and say, yeah, we will guarantee that you will have, say, for example, a, a successful Facebook ad up and running by the end of this program, bringing in at least making your money back from your investment, but your investment has to be say $10 or something small like that. You know, why throw silly money at it? Well, of course your guarantee is gonna be ridiculous. It's gonna be too good to be true. So why not start at a realistic level which you know for a fact, you know, being in the business, they are buying your knowledge do you not have the confidence and the, the skills and expertise in order to sell them on your program? If the answer to all of those is yes, then by all means, yes, you need to put in that guarantee just to get people excited about going through this program and making sure that your onboarding of each and individual customer is seamless. Now, when I say onboarding on um, various customers, when you are signing them up for a digital course, let's say, let's keep it simple. So you're signing them up for a digital course. Well, from the, the, from the get-go, you wanna make sure, and again, this is all from you've tested it 
like 10 plus 10 times 10 times to make sure that your funnel, your actual product when it is launched onto the World Wide Web actually works. Meaning nobody's going to get a funny message or no message or a glitch with the whole system. So for example, I'm going through your digital product and I press purchase. So I've put in my credit card details or I've paid via PayPal, whichever. What needs to happen is an immediate email directly from you, in addition to the receipt from PayPal, that helps an awful lot, or Stripe, whichever um, financial institution you're using in order to recognize and take those payments. So in addition to the receipt hitting the person's email box, you need to make sure that they are also getting a confirmation email from yourself and where to go next. So what does that look like? That is either a welcome email or go here, hey, thanks for buying my product, click here for further information. So you click the link and then you go to another page. Both are perfectly, absolutely more than acceptable for customer service. Again, it's, you know, whatever feels comfortable and right for you and what is the best fit. So at least the customer is not left going, well, am I going to get an email? Did I get an email? So immediately they get an email from yourself saying, hey, thanks for buying my course. Sign up here or click here, sign up for the Facebook group and various other things that you might want to include on that email. And also make sure that they have login details of the digital course so they know immediately that they can jump on board. Because you'll have all sorts of different types of customers coming through your metaphorical doors. And the fact that you'll have your early adopters who just want to dive right in and just get going and do everything, you know, by the end of midnight or something ridiculous like that. Or you'll have other people who are a bit of a slow burn or a slow start who, oh great, I've got the email, I'll check it later. Or I don't have time, I'll check it later. And that again, you know, it's up to them how they want to view and consume your particular course and product and just leave it up to them. But just make sure that the onboarding experience for each and every one of your customers is seamless. And especially when it comes to, if I have any questions as your customer, where do I go? So you need to make that front and center. So if anybody has any questions or are a bit confused about something, make sure that it's really obvious of how to reach out to you. And also, I have seen an, an, several um, companies do this when you send an email through to the support desk, for example, they'll immediately have an autoresponder. One of them is really good in the fact that they will give a generic autoresponder. However, they've had so many questions time and time again in the past that they've done a either frequently asked questions type page or it's done in a different format, but effectively it's a frequently asked questions type of page. So if you're struggling with this, go here and so on and so forth. So that is really good because at least it's not leaving them hanging. But more importantly, invest in your support staff for customer service. 
that has to be your main priority when it comes to onboarding customers. You as an entrepreneur, you have an obligation to make sure that that experience for that customer is spot on or exceptional. And one of the ways to start turning your customers off and they struggle is when you never get back to them and they've reached out in a support ticket or it's been days later. In this day and age, in the digital age that we have, I personally think that it is unacceptable to be getting back to somebody 24 hours and definitely 48 hours later. That is far, far too long in this digital age. You should have staff ready and waiting available online answering those emails first and foremost and getting back to those customers so they understand that they are heard and they're acknowledged and somebody's doing something about their issue that they have. You know, if the issue is that they can't find the product, then great, that's an easy quick win. A lot of these things are quick wins, but again, your support staff will be able to start to collect repeat questions that people ask time and time again or various other things that might crop up. You're starting to see themes. Again, these are all breadcrumbs handed to you on a silver platter to the business owner to actually say, okay, now it's time to review. How is this customer onboarding experience? Is it seamless? No, it's not. Well, how many questions have we got? What kinds of things are cropping up that you see themes on? What can we do to make our product that much better in order for the customer to have a better experience with us? Because we want to keep them rather than repel them. So my suggestion and advice to you is do not leave a customer hanging for any longer than 12 hours or if say for example it's the holidays you know we're all allowed holiday and we're all allowed weekends you know there are some businesses that just want to work monday to friday and that's again perfectly acceptable but you need to also train your customers into getting into the habit of setting their expectations you know thanks very much for your email we close at five o'clock on a friday and we won't be back until 9 a.m on monday but we'll be sure to put you and your question at the top of our list and we will respond then and by heck you respond then and get that back to them asap so they don't think oh well you're just saying that and you've left me hanging no 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 that's not going to happen, not with your business, because you care too much about your customers. So that's just a recap. We've covered purchases and refunds, guarantees, support staff and onboarding clients. But let's back up a bit. So when you're trying to market and sell your product, your digital course, again, keeping it simple, your digital course online, and you've set up a webinar. Well, setting up a webinar is not easy. You can't just suddenly wake up one morning and go, hey, let's do a webinar. No, it doesn't work like that. You need to build your slides. You need to practice using the actual tool that is going to launch it onto a platform within the online space. There are plenty of companies that you can use that will provide 
you with the functionality of that webinar experience for the customer. You're giving them value. You're telling them about the product that you want them to sign up for. So if you're investing all of this time and effort, the last thing you want to do is to, to confuse your customer. Because if you're in the throes of a webinar and you have sprinkled in amongst the actual teachings and learnings because you, you have discovered, yeah, that's an appropriate time. I can tell them about this product rather than leaving it all to the end. Entirely up to you how you want to frame and build out your webinar. But at the end of the day, you need to practice it with somebody or your team in order to make sure that it works that there are no loose ends, that there is no ambiguity when it comes to what you're offering and what that all looks like. And you need to be ironclad when it comes to giving them the sales pitch and not have a ton, if not maybe, oh, I don't know, an avalanche of potential customers coming to you with all these questions because it's just going to be too much for you to cope with. And if that's the case, then definitely get support staff from your team on board on the webinar to answer all of those questions while you are giving value, value, value with your training session and also your pitch, pitch, pitch with regards to the sales that you want to make as well. But by all means, do not leave your customers confused because a confused customer will just give up. They'll be like, oh, I'm confused. I don't have time for this. Or I've asked my question and why is it taking so long for somebody to get back to me? Who's there? Is this recorded or is this live? Again, too many questions to leave for the customer to answer that they don't have questions or they don't have answers to. And at the end of the day, it will be very easy for them to, again, metaphorically walk. They'll just hit delete or shut down or leave. However, they decide to jump out of your webinar and that's a potential sale lost right there because you didn't practice it in advance to make sure that all of the, the moving parts to your webinar work seamlessly and just all fit into place really nicely. So by all means, practice, practice, practice your webinar on people or your staff before you actually go live to, just to make sure that it makes sense and there are no stones left unturned, if at all possible. Now, naturally, you know, this is life. We're human. We're dealing with computers that may have glitches and things like that. And you do have to run on the fly sometimes. But at the end of the day, you should never see over, I don't know, two or three questions that haven't been answered yet because before you know it those two or three end up into 20 or 30 which then end up into 200 to 300 and then you've just completely lost the plot and that's not good for your sales or the lifeblood of your business and all of these potential wonderful people that could have been your raving fans at the end of the day and wanting to buy your products. And if you sold water, you, they'd buy it from you, that kind of thing. So 
be mindful of your webinars and also just be mindful. And this is something that I have seen with a few of the people in the online space selling digital products. One thing that is really, really not good and people will catch up on eventually, maybe not immediately, but eventually people are going to catch up on this. And if you're offering, say for example, your webinar, you say this, now that you're on here, you, you know, I've got your eyeballs looking at this webinar right now. I'm offering this product at X. It's the only time I'm offering it and you are going to get it if you hit buy today. You know, before the end of this webinar, you need to have signed up so that, you know, it encourages and entices that, that FOMO effect like, oh my gosh, I need to be in now, you know, throw my credit card at this person, take everything you want, I'm in. Of course, we all want those types of potential customers. But at the end of the day, what I do not think is a very good practice and in actual fact, in my opinion, it is a very dangerous game you are playing. If you're promising those people who took time out of their lives and their schedules to sit and listen to your training and your sales pitch, they don't want to find out a month or two from now that you're offering the exact same price to a bunch of other people later on down the line. That is really poor practice. That should never happen because what happens to you is your integrity is getting smaller and smaller and being chipped away at slowly but surely. And at the end of the day, you're going to end up going, huh, what happened to all my customers? Why can't I get any customers? Well, that's strange. That's weird. No. You do not want to be offering other special offers that are exactly the same later on down the road because it doesn't look good as a business owner that you have any integrity whatsoever. It just looks like you are hungry for the money and in it for the money and don't really care about the customer whatsoever. So in my opinion, I would be strongly recommending that you make sure that if your offer is a one-shot deal, you make it that one-time offer. Now, throughout the year, you might decide, oh, well, these are my, you know, my loyal customers. Naturally, you can offer them a similar or even better offer later on down the road. But do not discredit the people that took time out of their busy lives to buy from you because you said, this is it. This is all you're getting with this price. After this, it's going up. Then you need to be demonstrating to the big world wide web that your prices are going up because at the end of the day, you're going to lose face. And that is not a good thing as a business owner, because then people will quickly catch up on it that, oh, well, who's this joker? You know, they don't even say what they mean. They just, you know, are talking to hear their own voice and I can buy it later on down the road. That's another catch 22. So if they catch up on that, they might then, you know, tap into your next webinar for the latest and greatest improvement or better product that you have created. But they're just going to sit on the fence and go, no, I don't think I'll buy right now. I'll wait and then they'll wait, and then they'll wait, 
and they either may never buy or they may eventually buy because you have not stuck to your word and you are clearly time and time again just selling it for the same price but trying to create that sense of urgency with your current customers that have their eyeballs on your training program um i.e webinar and that just really is not a good thing whatsoever and you know what the simple method around this is if you are offering at a price don't say that you know this price is going away and will never be seen knowing full well you're going to offer it again later on down at the same price so i i wouldn't i would be very careful with your language of how you word it and equally be mindful of your customers your very first customers and maybe you want to treat it as your first 100 you know they are the ones that invested in you because they didn't know you they had no knowledge of you whatsoever so they decided to take a chance and spend some money on you in order to see what you're all about see how you can help me the client and did you help me and at the end of the day you want to really shower them with as much love and appreciation as possible now again through the metrics and we can cover this throughout the year but you know you can monitor and keep an eye on well who opens your emails uh, for starters and then you can start to segregate and allocate tags to certain people who consistently open your emails that is an easy thing to do and then that forms your first 100 for example as opposed to well why would you give a first 100 to the literal first 100 when say 90 percent of that first 100 haven't even opened your email they probably have even forgotten your name as well so you can take a look at that um so that's my um thoughts for customer service i no doubt will be covering this topic again throughout the year as you can tell, it's something that I feel very passionate about and would like to see the, certainly from the US point of view where I'm currently living, I would love to see that there is a standard and set of guidelines. I know that the federal government have set some online rules and regulations and things that you can and cannot do and, and various things like that. Something that I can review for you, but I want to do cliff notes on it because when I look at it, I even glaze over because I'm like, uh, okay, this is a lot. Uh, plain English, please. So it's something that I think everyone needs to be aware of and mindful of, you know, whether you're on the receiving end and you are a purchaser of products online or you are actually a business owner and trying to sell products online. I, you know, want to give both sides and also help those who are in an online business to succeed and excel with that customer service. All right, my friend, until next time, have a very happy new year. I believe in you. I see great things in all of our futures. Take care and bye for now.